miracle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. We sang a song earlier, uh, the first song that we sang in our worship, and uh, I didn't know that we were singing it, but it says, the, the marriage of the Lamb is coming. And to be honest, I was a little distracted for a moment because there's another marriage coming. Um, I, uh, I had something significant happen to me this week, this weekend. Uh, the way that I say it is I asked my girlfriend a question and she said yes. Um, so uh, Amanda was just up here leading worship. Um, I was, uh, I didn't think I was nervous at all. And then I asked her the question and I saw how surprised she was. And, uh, and I dropped the ring. And I couldn't find it and she pointed it out and I grabbed it and I asked her again. And she said, is this real, is this real? And I said, hey, you haven't given me an answer yet. She finally said yes. Um, I'm, I am so overjoyed and happy. Um, she's such a woman of God. She makes me such a better man of God. And you know, if, if you, uh, when you're in close relationship with people, uh, you start to learn more about them, right? And recently I've learned, uh, she has so many character qualities and personality traits that I'm just in love with. Um, but one that I've noticed recently is how uh, disciplined and self-controlled she is. And here's what I mean. I tell her jokes that are like really, really funny. <laughs> and I tell them to her over and over and over. And somehow she doesn't laugh. I'm like, wow, the self-control that you have right there, the discipline to hold a straight face. I get so enamored with it and so caught up with it that I'm like, I want to see this again. Let's try it again. And over and over, it's a straight face. I'm also, I'm not the type to like give up on a joke. Um, I hold on to them. And, and if I get a new one, that's just more ammo in my backpack. And so they keep coming and they keep coming. And uh, even this week, uh, sometimes it's jokes, sometimes it's just like little bits. Um, this week, this weekend on Friday, proposed to her, we're with her family, then we're with her friends and I'm driving her home. And, uh, and she says, she looks over, she says, wow, you're, so you're my fiance. And my response, um, I dug down deep to get the French in me. Um, uh, which I had to dig real deep because I'm not French in any way, shape, or form. And I said, you're my fiancé. My fiancé. And I said it over and over, and she gave me a deadpan look over and over. And eventually she said something that she says pretty often to me, maybe a little too often, so maybe we could do a call and response uh, premarital counseling right here. Uh, but she said... Um, can you not? <laughs> Usually that's like the first response. Like, like a, hey, I don't think that's quite as funny as you think it is. 
maybe you could stop that right here. And I kept going. Fiance, last night, yesterday, I called her, FaceTimed her. I said, hey, fiance. She said, okay. Can you not? It's gentle and it's loving, but it's also like, hey, don't cross the line. Don't, don't make me rethink this decision right here, right? And, uh, and that, you know, I feel like we all, whether it's verbally or sometimes it's through nonverbals, we get a, uh, can you not? You ever gotten that from somebody? And you're like, ah, okay, I'll pull it back a little. We say our world and, and relationally, we'll hear a, can you not? And it's like, a, um, it's like, hey, take a step back. Like get a little distance there. There's a passage in scripture, Jeremiah chapter 18, where God says, can I not? And he challenges his people. See, we say, can you not? And it's distancing. God says, can I not? And he's drawing us in. And so I wanna read chapter, Jeremiah chapter 18. It says this. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. Everybody say the potter's house. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Everybody say, can I not? Everybody say, can I not? That's God's word to us this morning. Can I not do something? Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? You know, what the, what the Bible says in the Old Testament is often national, and in the New Testament context, it's often personal and individual for us. So can I not do with you, Jake, as this potter does? Can I not do with you, Pastor Josh, as this potter does? Can I not do with you, Natalie, as this potter does? Insert your name. God's saying, can I not do with you as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that, that you find different ways to speak to us. And that God, your word, it can pierce and penetrate our hearts. And so God, right now we declare, Lord, that our hearts are open for a new thing. Our minds are open for a new thing. Our ears are open to you telling us a new thing that we need for today. So God, we commit this time to you. We ask that you would speak to us and that you would send us according to your plan. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. amen. All right. Um, you know, I've found that God uh, teaches us things about life um, in ways that speak to us. So Jeremiah, he's a, uh, he's a prophet, and 
he speaks, but God speaks to Jeremiah in different ways than he does to Isaiah. And he speaks to Daniel in different ways than he speaks to Jeremiah. God, he knows who you are and he knows how he needs to speak to you. And so in this passage, God is saying, hey, Jeremiah, um, I have something new I want to say to Israel. Have I said it before? Yeah, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to say it in a new way because I care so much about how they receive it. I care so much about them hearing it in language that they understand. God, for you, those, the main way that he speaks to us is through his word, but he speaks to us in different ways in our, in, in our everyday lives. He opens our eyes to things that, that are there, and he says, hey, just like this, that's how I am to you. Just like this, that's, that's what I want to do in you. And he speaks to us in ways that we can understand. And in this example, he's speaking through Jeremiah. He's telling Jeremiah, hey, I need you to say this to Israel. And he gives it to him in such a practical way. And here's why. He says, go down to the potter's house. The potter's house was probably, Jeremiah probably walked by potter's homes every day. Pottery was a huge part of the industry of Israel. It was a huge part of their day-to-day life. When pottery was first invented, it created a revolution in the world that we know. Think about it. Without pottery in that day, there, weren't, there wasn't plastic Tupperware. There weren't brown paper bags. There weren't recyclable bags to take to the grocery store. Uh, there weren't plastic totes that you could get at Home Depot. There weren't silos to hold grain or uh, different canisters to hold oil. Everything was moment by moment. You basically had what you could carry. But then pottery comes and they can make pots. They can make bowls. They can make cups. They can make different canisters to carry things. And so now for the first time ever, you could hold grain over the winter. Now for the first time ever, you could take water and bring it back home. Now, for the first time ever, you could cook a meal here and bring it to somebody over there. Now, for the first time ever, you can make something and it doesn't go to waste right at that moment. So pottery, it changes the landscape for them. Pottery then for today, um, for us, if you think about the last 20 years, the tech industry has changed every aspect of our lives. Everybody here, you either work in in the tech industry or you know someone who works in the tech industry, or you're adjacent to somebody who does. We're all, our lives and our world have been changed by that one industry. It's very, it's similar, it's comparable, it's apples to apples of pottery in ancient Israel. So everybody knows this language. And he tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, but don't just walk by like you usually do. Watch him. He says, watch him work. And I want to show you something about myself. And here's what happens. I have a video. They're going to play it. Uh, I'm still, no sound. I'm just going to, I just want you to see something. There's three aspects here. There's the potter. There's the wheel. And then there's the, the ball of clay. And that potter, he spins that wheel. That wheel goes fast and fast. It goes around and around. It's spinning faster than that ball of clay can even even comprehend. And then he takes his hands 
And he starts to form that bowl of clay. He starts to shape it. He starts to, to take the rough edges and he smooths them out. He starts to take the, the, uh, the weaknesses of that ball of clay. He starts to take the things that kind of don't make sense, the imperfections, and he starts to make it all as one comprehensive thing, and it starts to become a, a bowl or a cup right there. He puts his hands to it. He starts to make something useful. You can take that down. God is saying today, hey, you, you in the seats, you watching online, you're in my hands. And there's not a better place to be. See, when you're in his hands, he can start to do what he wants to do with you. Can I not, he says, can I not take you and do, do as a potter does? A potter cares deeply about that thing. Right? In ancient Israel, those um, pottery, it was th those things that they were making, anything that they made, they were not only necessary, but they were beautiful. Those were their working pieces of art. Back then, everybody was probably dressing the same. All their homes looked very similar. They all lived in four room houses. They probably didn't have art that they put on the walls. But this, this became an expression of who somebody was. It was beautiful, but it was necessary. And God was taking that and he was saying, I am taking this and I'm forming you, I'm shaping you. And he tells Jeremiah, watch this potter as he's working. And I'm just like that potter. Your people are just like that, that ball of clay. And you see that? that wheel spinning round and round, he's saying, hey, that wheel, that's like life, and it spins fast, and it goes fast. You see at the beginning, that, that wheel was not spinning according to the ball of clay. The potter, he spun that wheel. Our lives, they're not controlled by ourselves, they're controlled by God. The circumstances, he knows them all because he's watching and he's spinning that wheel. When life seems to be going fast, when, we, when things start to happen that we don't understand, when things are going on that we can't comprehend, when life throws us curveballs and, and it's spinning fast and fast and fast, God is saying, hey, I'm the one who's spinning that wheel. And guess what? You're in my hands. There's not a safer place to be. There's not a better place to be. There's not a place that you could be in more, in, in better control, in, in uh, taken care of than in God's hands. He wants you to know today, this is your first time here, you're in my hands, God's saying. I, I brought you here today. If you've been coming here for years and years, God's saying, hey, you're in my hands too. There's nobody outside of my hands. He's saying, can I not do something with them when they're in my hands? And I believe today that God, he not only wants us to know that we're in his hands, but that he wants to do something with us. We're not, we're not on this earth. We're not shaped. We're not in his hands just so that we can stand on the sidelines. No, God has a life for us to live. God has a mission for us to accomplish. God has a purpose for us to live out. And he says, you're in my hands. Can I not do with you what I, what I wish? And so that, you know, that word, 
Um, there's a word in there that says uh, uh, that ball of clay, he's making a pot. And that word pot in the NIV is kli in the Hebrew. And it means a vessel, a bowl, or a cup that's used to carry or serve. You know, I read this. I looked at it and I said, um, I said, all right, so there's a potter, there's a ball of clay, and there's a wheel. That ball of clay, um, that potter is Jesus, that, that potter is God, that wheel is life, and that ball of clay, that's, that's me. And that's the way that God wants to see it because he says, oh, Israel, are you not that ball of clay? Oh, oh, Jake, are you not that ball of clay? And so I looked at it and I said, so what's, what would that potter be making? Well, that potter be, would be making um, a plate to serve somebody food with. Or he might be making a, a canister to store grain with. He might be making forks and spoons and utensils. But for me, the one thing that I can't go without is a cup. I need a cup. See, when I was looking at all the different things that you can make from that pottery, I was like, you know, worst comes to worst, I could, I could eat food without, without a plate or without forks and knives. Like, not ideal, you know, but, but you can get there. But for me, um, you know, if, if you're thinking pre-pottery days, then, uh, then you can make that work. You can eat and then move on and eat later. But the one thing that I'm like, hey, I, I can't just take that in my cup. I can't just take that in my hands is I need a cup because I can't go without my coffee. I can't do it. I'm like, I could do without a plate in my house. I could do without a fork or a knife or a serving platter or, or, um, or a pot or a pan, but, but Lord, I can't go, out, go without a cup. I can't go, out, go without a water bottle, even though I'll lose it. I can't go without it. And so when I said this, when I saw this, you know, I want to encourage you when you read the Bible, make it practical, make it applicable for you. When I saw it, I said, you know what? I'm God's cup. Everybody say, I'm God's cup. You're God's cup, and he's taking you as a bowl of clay. He's making you into a cup. He's making you useful for his purpose. He's making you uh, unnecessary, but also beautiful. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece. He's taking it and he's saying, you're in my hands, but you're not just, yeah, my hands are a safe place, but, but it's not just safety, like isolated and, and you're just gonna sit there and have a, a cushy life. He's saying, no, I'm doing something with you. I'm doing something in you. I'm doing something through you. And so when we're in God's hands, God starts to take this process of saying, hey, you're in my hands, but you're in my hands for a reason. And that's what I wanna speak to you tonight, today. Real quickly, God, you are in God's hands and you're in God's hands for a reason. God, he's not giving up on you. He's got something new for you. If you've been walking, if, you, if this is your first time here, you've never accepted Jesus. Jesus is, is here. He's speaking to you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. If you've been walking with God for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, God has something new for you. Amen. He wants to speak to you. You're in his hands for a purpose. And so two quick things. Number one, 
God wants to form you. God's cup, they get formed. God's cups are formed. So God's cups, God takes them and he says, you know what? There are all these, you know, we saw in there, there are these imperfections. There are these blemishes. There are these rough edges. And I'm gonna start to form, I'm gonna start to mold, I'm gonna start to shape it into something new. You know, the, the word in that passage, it's marred. And that word marred, it means destroyed, corrupted, spoiled, to have an impaired appearance or quality. What that passage says is that Jeremiah is watching the potter and as the, the ball of clay gets marred, the potter says, all right, I'm gonna remake it. See, for you and me, there have been times in our lives where we've carried blemishes. We've carried, we've been spoiled, whether it's from the outside world or, or things in our own heart or our own actions or our own disobedience, our own sinful life. And we take those blemishes and we just start to, we just start to tough it out. We just start to try and walk with, with, with carrying those. We don't know how else to go. And God is saying today, no, I want to remake you. I want to reform you. I want to reshape you. God's cups are formed, and they're formed by the perfect potter. That potter, he's making something new out of you. He's taking, in me, he's taking the rough edges and he's saying, I'm gonna smooth that out a little bit. And then he looks at it and he says, you know what, that imperfection, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to mold it and shape it like this. That thing that, that's not really working, I'm gonna try and take that out and I'm gonna smooth it out right here. See, we come to God and we say, God, I want you to use you. I wanna be a part of your kingdom. I want you to do something with me. He takes us and he takes us as we are, but then he takes us and he says, I love you too much to leave you the way that you are. I love you too much to let you be something that with those blemishes and leave those spoils there. He says, no, I'm going to take those imperfections. I'm going to make something beautiful out of them. We're God's masterpiece, it says. Jeremiah knew all about people being spoiled vessels not being used the way that they were supposed to. And so he looks at this and he gets it right away. He says, God, you know, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And he would cry over the people of Israel. Jeremiah is a kind of a dark book. There's a lot of, it's a story of Israel losing their way over and over and over again. But all throughout Israel, there are these small moments of hope and of life where God uses Israel. He says, hey, say this to my people. To Jeremiah 12, it's in the middle of a dark book in a dark time in Israel's history. And it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to bless you. I have a hope and a future for you. Later on in Jeremiah 31, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting, meaning your love never gives up on me. It never gives up on me. God is saying, my love never gives up. It never gives up. It's coming after you. And right in the middle of that, he says, I love you so much that 
I'm going to take you as you are. I'm going to start to remake and shape you a little bit. And the thing about that is it's hard sometimes, right? Because a lot of times we come to God and we know the shape that we want to be. God says, no, I've got a shape that I know what you want to be. Can I not, he says? Can I not do with you as as a potter does? You see, a lot of times the shape that we want to become, it requires us taking out some imperfections and some some stains from the past, some residue from the past that God says, hey, we need to do a little more work here. You ever notice that the hardest things to talk about in your life are the things that matter the most? Sometimes we we have trauma so deep inside that we've masked things and we haven't even allowed, we haven't let the godly people in our lives close to it, but we haven't let God close to it either. We've said, hey, in a, in a, in a bout of, of self-defense, God, you can touch this part of my life. You can touch this part of my life. You can touch this part of my life. But God, not this part. Not yet, God. But God says, no, I have you in my hands. Not parts of you. Not the parts that you really like. Not the parts that everybody else says that they like. I've got every single part. I've got every slice of the pie of your life. I've got all of your past. I've got all of your present. I've got all of your future. And guess what? I love it. He says those past things, I can take them and I can show you. I can start to mold it and shape it and form it so that when you look at who I'm making you, you can look at Romans 8, 28, that God takes the things of our past and he takes all of it and he does exceedingly more and abundantly. He says, I am going to take those things. I'm going to work all of those things together for the good of those who love me. We look at it and we say, now I get it. All of those things, Romans 8, 28, I can do all of those things and take them all for the, I can take the good and the bad and make make them work out for the good of those who love me. And we look at it, we look at who God's making us in the mirror. And we say, you know what? Now, now I see why those things happened. See, when you're being shaped and formed by God, you can truly look in the mirror and you can say, you know what? I see who I'm becoming. You know what? I see that God's forming me and I see that God's shaping me. Alexander White, he said it like this. He said, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. So I want to encourage you. God, every person here, every person watching online, God wants to take you and he wants to form you a little bit today. And then guess what? Tomorrow, he wants to form you and he wants to shape you a little bit. Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, he wants to form you. He wants to shape you a little bit. God is going to put people in your lives to help you, to help form you. God is going to put people in your lives to help shape you. God is going to put situations in your life where you're going to say, you know what? I'm not sure what I should do. God is shaping you. The same clay that he made you with, he made all the prophets of the past with. And he's saying, hey, I'm putting you in the same positions so that I can test you, mold you, shape you. You think Joseph wasn't tested in those times? He was being molded and shaped 
and formed. You're being molded, shaped, formed for something that you don't even see yet. But he's taking all those things, he's going to work them out for the good of those who love him. God wants to form you today. The second thing, you know, real quick, there are a lot of references in Jeremiah and even more references in all the Old Testament about pottery. There's references in Isaiah about God being the, the, the potter. There are references in Zephaniah about God being the potter. There's uh, in Genesis, that same word that he formed them out of dust, that dust when mixed with water, it, it becomes clay. So it's all throughout the Old Testament. There are a lot of different words to relate to a potter here. But the specific word here for potter that Jeremiah uses, it literally means shaper, one who shapes. God, he, he is so in tune with you. He is so zeroed in on you that he says the things that you think that I wouldn't want to touch, I need to touch. That's the thing that I want to do to shape. Don't run from the shaping process of God. Don't run from the forming process of God. God is forming you into a perfect cup, into a perfect utensil, into a perfect vessel that he sees. We don't see it, but God sees it. He's reclaiming us. He's reshaping. He's remaking somebody today. Joel says that uh, in the, the prophet Joel, chapter 2, it says he's taking things and he's going to reclaim and restore what the locust has eaten. All of what Israel had lost, God came to them and told them, I'm going to restore what the locust, what the enemy has eaten what those pests in your lives have come and, and destroyed, what those pests in your lives have come and started to take, what those pests in your lives have come and tried to stain. God says, no, I'm going to come, I'm going to shape it, I'm going to mold it. There will be no past residue on it. And then the second thing, God forms, God's cups are formed but we're not formed just to sit idly by. God's cups are filled. We're supposed to be filled with the things of God. Our cup, when we're made into a cup, God says, hey, I can work where things are clean and where they're empty. I can work where things are ready for me. I can work, you know, God, God comes and he says, hey, that, that thing is empty. Great, I can come fill it. When you're shaped into a cup, just like we saw, then you're ready to be filled. I've got a friend and he was, um, he came into church last Sunday and I talked to him this week. He said, you know what? I've been, uh, been battling. He said, I've, um, I woke up Sunday morning and the only reason I wanted to come to church, he said, I needed to, to like have it out with God. I was angry. I felt like I wasn't loved. He said, the last 
two months, I've just felt like God has forgotten about me. He said, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I didn't feel like I knew what was happening or why it was happening. And he said, I walked into church. He said, and honestly, worship was going on and I was just there telling God how angry I was. He said, I don't feel like you love me, God. He that's what he was saying. And then somebody got on the stage, I don't know who it was, and they said, if you're here today, there's somebody here who feels like God does not love them, who's feeling like God has lost sight of them. God, you are here right now for one reason, and that's so that you would know that God loves you. The same way that, the same thing that it says in Jeremiah 31, God loves you with an everlasting love, that his love has not forgotten you that you felt loved before and now you feel forgotten. No, God still loves you, but God is doing something and he's shaping you. I talked to him this week and he said, that was what I needed. And he said, I didn't, I couldn't get that anywhere else in the last two months. I felt like God had forgotten me, but right there, I was ready to hear it. And God, he said, no, I'm doing all those things for a reason. You don't know why, but I love you. And he said, that's all that I needed that day. Why do I say that? God's cups get filled. Maybe today you need to be filled with his love. Maybe today you need to be filled with his peace. Maybe you came in here anxious. Guess what? When you allow God to shape you and form you, then he starts to fill you with his peace. He starts to fill you with his love. He starts to fill you with his joy. But here's the other thing. God fills us so that we can be a blessing to others. See, God is wanting to fill you with right now, but not just, not just for yourself. God's wanting to fill you with burdens for other people so that you can help in their shaping process, in their forming process. God is taking you and he's saying, hey, there are gifts in you that I have, that, that I've put in there. I want to start to take those out. I want to stir those things up. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to fill you with my power so that those gifts, they can be activated. You're made into a cup, not to sit on the sidelines, not to sit in the cupboard, not to sit in the dishwasher. No, God wants, God has a purpose for you, a unique and special purpose. God wants to use you today. God wants to use you this week. Come on, if you're a cup and you say, God, I want to be used by you. Come on, if that's you, God, I want to be used by you. At home, God wants to use you. You're not, listen, I mentioned this. God spoke to his prophets all a little bit differently. He had, he spoke to Jeremiah and he, he had Jeremiah in the context that he was in based on, you know, he, he knew who he made. He didn't make it, he didn't make any mistakes. He's like, I formed you, I shaped you. And so I've made you with this personality because that's who Israel needs right now, right? Moses, they needed somebody else. Joseph, they needed somebody else. For you, God, God has made you in his image. And so he's put you in your workplace, in your home, in your circle of friends, in your ministry, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your city, so that he could use you, not a version of you, not a copy of somebody else, so that he could use you. This saves you from the curse of comparison because you start, you stop saying, oh, I wish I had that or I wish I was like this. God says, no, I want to use who? 
you. I formed you. I shaped you. It's not God is shaping you to be like somebody else. God is shaping you to be the best per- version of who, you, of who he sees you to be. And then when you're that, he can start to fill you. He starts to fill you and there's no residue of the past. You see, sometimes we think that, we think that our past mistakes stop us from receiving the fullness of God's love, the fullness of God's power, the fullness of God's plan and provision and purpose for our lives. No. The Bible says your sins will be made as white as snow. So, so when, when you start to be remade, you know, why was Jeremiah watching this potter remake a cup, remake a pot? It's because something happened and it got marred. Can I tell you something? The something that happened was not a mistake from the potter. It was a mistake in the clay. But God comes through onto that clay and he starts to make it perfect again. He remakes us, he reshapes us. But when we're full, now when we're fully and we're formed, now we're ready to be filled. And so I wanna close in a moment. But, you know, I don't know how the, most of you here have not been in your, in your homes or in your kitchens. So I don't know how the cups go in your home. I don't know how the cups or the mugs or the glasses act in your house. But in mine, the cups don't get to choose what gets put into them. The cups don't get to choose what gets put into them. See, God's given you all gifts. God's given you burdens. God's put you in places. And he said, I put you into that. You you might have a different idea of what you want to do, but listen to me. You're on your plan of formation. You're on your plan of, of, of being shaped. I know what I've put into you, and I know what's best for you. The cups in my house... They don't get to choose whether they get to be filled with coffee in the morning or filled with juice or filled with a smoothie. No, they, I get to choose what gets put into them. The potter chooses, the person using it chooses what gets put into them. God chooses what gets put into you. God puts it in you. And so when you pray, God, fill me, he says, I'm gonna fill you, but I'm gonna fill you with the things that I know that you need because I'm a perfect potter because I'm a perfect father, because I'm the one who knows how I wanna use you. See, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm God's cup, you're God's cup. Sometimes cups in the kingdom, in the world, sometimes cups have a little too much of an opinion. Sometimes we have, we, we, we feel a little too strongly with what we should be filled with. But God says, no, I've put you somewhere for a purpose. I'm filling you with that gift. I'm filling you with that gift. I'm filling you with that burden. I'm putting you in this place. There's a, there's a story of a pastor that I heard and long story short, he wanted to be a pastor to a certain group of people. 
And then he gets put in a, in a different, God places him in a different church. And he looks around at the, the people and he says, the gist of it is he's like, I'm kind of bored here. I don't, I don't wanna be here, I wanna be somewhere else. And then he read a, a biography of a guy named John Henry Newton. And John Henry Newton was a guy who got saved and, um, and started to, to build a work in England. And all of his friends and his peers and the people giving him counsel, they said, oh, you're gonna do it in London, right? Because that has the, that has the most influence and the, the, the most high power people are there and the most people are there. If you get there, you could really impact the world. And he says, no, actually um, I'm planting in Birmingham, England, which was a small town. And they asked him and they asked him why and he got ridiculed and over and over. And at one point he said, the people in Birmingham, they're souls too. They are souls too. And so this pastor heard that story, we read it, and he said, you know what, the people that, that I feel like I'm bored with, God just gave me a new burden. He filled me with a new burden that those people are souls to. They need the same thing that I wanted to offer to this group of people. Can I tell you something? God is placing you somewhere. He wants to open your eyes and see why he has placed you somewhere so that he can fill you with a new burden to serve with a new burden for your workplace, with a new burden for your family, with a new burden for your church, with a new burden for your city. Can we stop being critics? Can we say, God, I've, you've placed me here for a reason. I'm here to serve. And so God, fill me with your love, fill me with your power. And here's the other thing. Cups don't get to choose what gets poured into them and cups don't get to choose who drinks from them. See, just like I just said, you're filled so that other people could be blessed. God wants to fill you today so that other people could be blessed. God wants to overflow your cup. Psalm 20, 23, it says, my cup overflows. Everybody say overflows. My cup overflows. God wants to fill you today to overflowing. God wants to do a new work in you. God wants to form you, but then take the emptiness of that cup and fill it with himself. You see, if, if we're just formed, then we start to, if we're not careful, we start to get formed and then we say, oh, look what I did. Look who I am. Look at the things that I have, and we start to fill it with ourselves. But God says, no, I want you to be empty. I wanna form you, and then I want you to come to me empty so that I can fill you. So will you stand with me? I wanna pray something in a moment. But I just feel like, I feel like the people in this room, at this specific service, the 11 a.m. service, feel like you're watching online myself, that God wants to do an old thing? No, a new thing. God wants to do something new. It's different than he did in the past for you, but God is taking you. He, he's making a new version. He's reshaping, he's reforming, he's remolding you. And he's saying, hey, those rough edges, I'm gonna smooth them out. Those old things, I'm gonna make new things. And then I'm gonna fill you. And I'm gonna fill you to what? To overflow.
So come on, lift your hands up with me. God, you're doing a new thing, oh God.